Well, good morning, New Life Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I am thrilled to kick off the summer series this morning. Uh, This morning, we are jumping back into the Psalms. For several years now, we have had a summer series titled uh, Songs for Summer. Is that going to pop up? I don't know. Uh, Psalms for Summer, Songs for Summer. And it is not just us. There are many churches throughout our area. Hi. Happy Father's Day to me, yeah. (laughs) Uh, There are many churches in our area that are going through the Psalms together, which is really cool. We're doing this with other churches. I was on the the sermon uh, prep meeting this this week, and there were like eight of us all digging in together, which is just awesome. Um, So this gives us an opportunity as we jump into this series to dig into what has been called the songbook of the church. If you were to open your Bible to about the middle, there is... A big book there with 150 different psalms that have been used as the songs that the church sings for a long time. And how cool is that, that many churches are jumping into the songbook together, even this morning. These psalms are songs. Uh, really, they're, we're going to be in lit class today. They're ancient Hebrew poetry. That's what we're going to be talking through. So we get to flex our poetry, our lyric reading muscles a bit this summer. And this is different than Matthew. We've been in Matthew until... Uh, this, this morning, we're pausing, Matthew, to read the Psalms, but it is worth the reminder that there are many different types of literature in the Bible, and they all need to be read in a way appropriate to their form. So Matthew was a narrative, specifically a gospel, a storytelling of the good news of Jesus, so we read that in a particular way. And I trust you've all been catching how to read Matthew as you listened in, on Sunday morning, as you discussed in your life groups that should have been teaching you how to read gospels. The Psalms are songs, and with them come a poetic use of language. Parallelism and repetition, metaphor and lyrics, emotion and passion, these are read as poetry, as music. So we're going to learn how to read them this summer. There are 150 Psalms, like I said, which is why we've been doing this for several years, and they capture the response to a myriad of emotions. Every emotion is captured here and given tune and lyric in order to give hearts a song to sing with whatever context elicits that emotion in life. Within these psalms, there are songs of happiness and joy. There are songs of sadness. There are songs of penitence. There are songs of confession and anger and cries for vengeance. And over and over and over, there is a focus of the singer back to God when the psalm is used. The Psalms are not afraid to deal with the spectrum of human life, which gives us great help because we get help in dealing with whatever particular range of human life each of us will inevitably face. So I'm grateful for this book. I'm grateful for the Psalms because it gives our hearts songs to sing because sometimes we're not sure, I have this emotion. What song should I sing? How should I even think about life? Psalms gives us those songs, gives us those ways to respond ways to deal with and interact with the emotions that we experience in life. So we're back in the songs for the rest of the summer. We're starting where we left off. Uh, Paul read Psalm 87. So turn in your Bibles to Psalm 87. Put them on your laps. Let's get going. Where are you from? Where do you call home? Some will hear that question and place the answer to where they were born. And we pour a lot of identity into that location. For instance, to some, 
I've been getting this a lot. To some, you have to have been born in Oregon to be called an Oregonian, right? I've lived here for 25 years, but I was born in Royal Oak, Michigan. So what do I hear from time to time? Ah, transplant. Ah, you're, you're not from around here. I've been here for 25 years. No, it doesn't count. Okay. You're not here, so you cannot grab that identity. You cannot tell that story of yourself. Some will talk about the location of their ancestors when they think about where are they from, what story do they belong to. Perhaps they're Irish or Italian or some other thing and place great emphasis on where their grandparents are from or their great-grandparents or their great-grandparents, even if they've never visited Ireland or Italy or some other country. They take on that identity. Perhaps it is a particular city or region. Some will say, I'm a New Yorker, right? Or I'm from the Basque country. Or I'm from a city or a particular country. And with that identification, you put on a particular set of assumptions and cultural notes and habits and postures, a way of thinking about who you are and where you are from. Many of us were born in America, and specifically the West, the Wild West, right? And if we think of that as where we are from, it has its own stories and values. There's an emphasis on individualism and freedom. We have a a rebellious streak in us. You think of the frontiers and the Wild West and the Oregon Trail and you begin to see where that lean comes from. It matters where we are from because we place meaning in our origin. We fill our identity with stories about where we are from. The place we call home, the place we are from tells us the story about how we should act in the world and who we should be. It necessarily defines our hope because every story has an ending, right? It tells us the story of our identity and our hope, and that is why it is so essential to make sure you emphasize the right place. If you choose the wrong place, if we choose the wrong place, we choose the wrong story, and we attach to the wrong hope. This morning, we are given a place, we are given an option for a city to be from. And we will find that there is joy for those born in the city of God. There is joy for those born in the city of God. I'm going to read, starting at the beginning of Psalm 87, that first line there. A psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. First things first, at the top you have the description, almost the address, about who wrote this song. It is by the sons of Korah, if you remember, all the way back to last summer, we were dealing with some sons of Korah psalms, and they were a family, descendants of musicians that wrote many songs for God's people to sing during particular festivals, during particular times of the year. They would write songs for Israel to sing at the temple or on the going to the temple, and you can go through the psalms and find various songs by the sons of Korah, by the family of Korah, to be sung at certain times. They helped create some of the rhythms of the worship of God's people, just like we would write a Christmas song for Christmas, right? Or an Easter song for Easter. And we sing those songs at their appropriate time so our hearts are tuned to the season in which we sing them, to the time when we tell that part of the story. We sing Christmas songs to remind ourselves the part of the story about Christmas, right? The time of Advent. 
We sing Easter songs to remind ourselves about the resurrection during the time we remember the resurrection. This particular time was probably one of the festivals, probably a tune people would sing literally as they made their way to the city of Jerusalem. This was the road trip music. Where the temple was, when they headed to where the temple was where they would worship, this was to get them ready. A psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. So that is the type of tune. All right, guys, we're going to sing Psalm 87. Well, which type is this? Is it a ballad? Is it a rock anthem? No, it's not a rap song. It's not a lament. It's not a country song. This is a song. In two weeks, Psalm 89, it's labeled as a maskil, a different Hebrew term for a different type of music. So at the top, here's what we're doing. We're going to sing Psalm 87. We're going to play it this way, and they get their instruments tuned correctly for that type of music, and then they know, okay, we're ready. Let's sing. And they go, one, two, three, four, and they start singing, right? They start singing in verse one. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God, Selah. This song is singing about a particular place. And let's start with a question that many of you probably have. Where in the world is Zion? Zion, originally that word means a dry, barren place, and Zion in particular is a particular hill in the land of Israel. I say hill because we live in the Pacific Northwest, and we have mountains, (laughs) and Israel does not have mountains like we have mountains. They have hills. And on this particular hill, Mount Zion, is a particular city. It became the foundation of the city of Jerusalem, the city of David, You guys know David, of David and Goliath fame. He was the king and had the city of David and that city became Jerusalem and it started on that hill. So if you look to Zion, you look to the city. So to sing this song is to put your attention on a particular place, a particular city. That's why it's road trip music. Where are we going? We're going to Zion. And this city was historically important to Israel, to the people of God, to the people of God named Yahweh. That is the Hebrew translated into the capital letters Lord there in your Bibles if you're looking. The word there is Yahweh, the Lord. And this city was important because that is where the temple was. The temple was where God, Yahweh, decided to make himself known saying, I will be present here. So you can come and worship me here. You can come and give sacrifices and thank offerings here. If there was a religious festival, then you would make your way to that city where that temple was so you could worship along others who wanted to worship Yahweh, the Lord. And one of the distinctives of this city, of this people, is that it was supposed to be a light to all other people. All other nations should have been able to observe that the people of Yahweh The God who created the world and made himself known, his people worship Yahweh at a particular place, in a particular way, and they were to be a beacon to the other nations. You see this guy, this God, told a guy named Abraham, if you were to go to the beginning of this book, Abraham is the great, 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 great grandfather of the people of Israel. And God grabbed him and said, I will bless you 
And I will make you a people, and through you all nations will be blessed. So Psalm 87 pitches the same blessing focus to Zion. It says, on the holy mount stands the city he founded. Who founded? God founded it. He made a people and gave them a city and put himself there so he could be worshipped. So it makes perfect sense that you would put your attention in that direction with song. Let's tune our hearts, right? It says the Lord loves the gates of Zion. Ancient cities in particular, if they were established and protected, they had walls. And those walls had gates because you needed to get in the city, right? You have to have a gate to get in and out of the city. In fact, if you were to go to Jerusalem today, which you could, and you were to go uh, to the city, the city is now sprawling. It's big like other big cities around the world. But if you were to go to the oldest portion, the smallest portion of the city, if you were to go all the way downtown, as it were, that is surrounded by walls. You would see walls, and there are gates all the way around the perimeter of the city. They're not the same walls because those walls fell down and they built new walls. It's been a little while. This is an old, like I said, ancient Hebrew literature. But there are, there are still walls you can see. You can see the old city. So for the Lord to love the gates of Zion is to describe the full encompassing of this city. I love this place. And the Lord Yahweh loves this city more than all other dwellings of Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. And he had 12 sons that became the tribes, the peoples of Israel. So Jacob is another name for Israel. See how this is poetical? We're doing poetry today. And Israel is much bigger than just the single city of Jerusalem. The people of Yahweh had many towns and cities and villages and places to live, but Jerusalem was chosen and loved more than all of them. Zion, that hill that held up that city, was a special place. God loves this city. He has a different interaction with this city than any other city. It's not like Westland or Portland or Oregon City. This is not like New York or Rome or Constantinople. Why? Well, firstly, God, because God decided to. He's, he decided to do something different with this city. You see, God created this world good with people in it in proper relationship with him and proper relationship with, with each other. That's what Taylor was talking about at the beginning. Things were going well at the beginning. Things were very good and humanity ripped it apart and ran from God. And God is more patient and more gracious than any of us deserve. And he said, I'm going to remedy this. I'm going to grab one of these broken people, Abraham, and I'm going to make him a people and they are going to worship me, and I'm going to put a city on Mount Zion, and I will reveal a bit of myself in the temple on the highest point of that city. And God decided to love this place and make it a focal point of his revealing himself to the nations. God is doing something glorious with this city. He is using it as a focal point to bring the brokenness back together. It is a beautiful place. It is a glorious place. The psalm says, glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. This song sings of what the singer knows. They're singing this song and there is worship of Yahweh on Zion. They know that. 
The covenant-making, promise-making, people-making God makes himself known on Zion. That's where we're going. Glorious things are spoken because God is spoken about on Zion. There are glorious things spoken because the creator God reveals himself at Zion. If you wanted to know about God, you would travel to Zion. There are stories in the Old Testament of people from many nations coming to hear about God, to see the temple, to observe the city because God was doing amazing things there. He was revealing himself. You can go back and and read about Queen Sheba visiting King Solomon to see what's going on, how God is interacting with his people, interacting in a way different than the other little puny gods do around the world. The city is glorious because God was there and the city was glorious because it revealed God to the globe. And in a world of brokenness, we want to know about the God who repairs, don't we? In a world full of little gods who have ill intent for you, we want to know about a God who is interested in making a people and promising blessing to them and others. This city was a city that was the center of revealing that God. City of God indeed. Glorious things of you are spoken. Selah. And that's one of the the poetic, lyrical, musical terms in the Psalms often. And it gives us a chance to just break, to pause. Pause with that phrase, we pause and we ponder, perhaps it was time for an interlude, so let's just play some music so we can think about what we have just sung. And we can think about, in this psalm, where we are going. Where are we going? Oh yeah, we're going to Zion. And then they continue singing. Among those who know me, this is verse four, I mention Rahab and Babylon, Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the people, this one was born there, Selah. And now we have God talking. Among those who know me, Among those who know the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, he mentions many other cities and many other places. Rahab and Babylon, Philistia and Tyre with Cush, this one was born there, he says. What is going on? Rahab, if you recall, towards again the beginning of your Bible, Rahab is the name of the woman in Jericho. Remember Jericho, the walls fell down? Rahab is the name of the woman in Jericho who responded to Yahweh rather than rejecting him like the rest of her city. It's also a name that is used as a reference for Egypt. If you were to go to a place like Isaiah 30, you would see Rahab as a reference for Egypt. It's poetry, guys. We just do everything. We just interweave it all together. Egypt is the place where the people of Israel were slaves, Why on earth would people know God in Egypt? And Babylon, the place of sin and exile, the place the people of God were taken to when they broke relationship with God. They were ripped from their home and taken to Babylon. When God mentions those who know him, he mentions Egypt and Babylon. 
What? And Philistia, another enemy of Israel. Who remembers where Goliath came from? Where are you from, Goliath? Philistia. Enemies of Israel. Entire, another city known for its wickedness, another city known not for its connection to God, but disconnection from God. And Cush, or a reference to Ethiopia, which would have been about as far away as you could think in this time and place. So even the furthest places away in the known world are included as those who were born there. And God lists the people who know him, and we would expect him to just label, label a bunch of inhabitants of the city. David was born there. Solomon was born there. Things like that. But he mentions all of these the enemies and the persecutors, the disconnected and the far-flung, and it is said of all of them, this one was born there. God is pointing to members of each of these cities saying, this one was born in Zion, and 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 this one was born in the city of God. This song is singing of wonderful and bigger things than we expected. It says, And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. It is though he is pointing to citizens of West Lynn and Oregon City and Portland and Vegas and Maripol and Moscow and London and Afghanistan and Mexico City and Shanghai and saying, This one and this one and this one and this one and this one were all born in Zion. These were all born in the city of God. Where are you from? Where are you from? And they are all born in Zion, not because their mother was there when she gave birth, but because the Most High, the Great One, the Greatest One, the God who sits above and over all gods will himself establish the city. He will establish the inhabitants of the city. God is the one who decides who is from there. And this city keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. This city is more than a city carved out by human hands. This is, more than, this is the city more than the ancient inhabitants realized. This city is more majestic and hope-giving than the city the original singers sang of. They knew of a great city. They knew about Jerusalem, a good city, a city of David, which he established and set apart. They knew a city inhabited by the grandchildren of Abraham. They knew about that city. They knew a city placed brick by brick by human hands. They knew a good city, but God put a song on their lips with a melody that spoke of a better city, established by the Most High built and inhabited by his design. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there, Selah. God is taking a census. He is writing down the people and regardless of what city he counts, he keeps noting that people in that city were born in Zion. Ah, Egypt, this one was born there and this one was born there and this one was born there. Babylon, ah, this one and this one and this one were all born there. Philistia, some more born in Zion. West Lynn, some more born in Zion. Oregon City, this one and this one and this one. Maybe you're saying, I was not born there. 
I was born in Royal Oak, Michigan, remember? Or some of you may be saying, I was born at Willamette Falls Hospital in Oregon City on a different hill. I was not born in Zion. But God establishes the city. God records the record. And you may not have been born there in the city of God, but he has caused some of you to be born again to be members of the city of God, to be citizens of Zion. In fact, this song may have been on the mind of Jesus while he talked in Jerusalem, in Zion, with one of the teachers of Israel. When he talked with Nicodemus in John 3, and he told him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He tells this teacher, if you want to belong to the kingdom, if you want to belong to the city of God, you must be born again. You must be established by God. You must have God saying, he was born there. She was born there. As though he is singing the refrain of the old song, revealing what its chorus actually proclaimed. What else does the song proclaim? The final verse. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. The inhabitants of the city are singing and dancing. They are full of joy. To be part of this city is to be part of something joyful. There is reason to sing if you're an inhabitant of Zion. There is reason to dance if you are a citizen of the city of God. There is reason to sing and dance because you are in the place where God has made himself known, right? You are in the place where God made connection with you. You are in the place where you can be in relationship with God. All my springs are in you. Springs are water. Water is the source of life. Things don't grow. People don't live if there is no water. Zion, in an incredible reversal, the dry, barren place in the wilderness becomes the place where water flows. The hill in the middle of the wilderness is a place where the springs flow, the city with a river flowing through it. This is joy-inducing, friends. This is a great song to sing for these ancient Hebrew singers, but can't you feel the longing for something more? If you were singing this, wouldn't you be thinking, this sounds better than the city I know. I mean, I've, I've been there already once. It's good, but this song paints a picture that's even better than the city that I know. And maybe, maybe one of the singers thought, I think Zion may be better in the future. I think God may be doing bigger things with this city because when they're singing this song, there were not inhabitants of Babylon and Egypt and Tyre and Philistia. It wasn't that big. What do you all think? Does God have bigger plans for this city? The song was on the lips of ancient Hebrews, making them sing of glorious things they knew, but also things they did not yet know. This song points to the knowledge of the temple, the knowledge of the proclamation of Yahweh, but it doesn't stop there. The story of God in this book is a story where God says, I'm going to remedy not just a little bit, 
but completely. I'm going to restore relationship. I'm going to restore creation. I'm going to forgive sins. I'm going to redeem all creation. I'm going to forgive rebellion. God reveals in this book that he sends his son to come and remedy and reconcile, to restore and redeem, and he does that through revealing again who God is. He does that by Jesus dying for our rebellion to reveal who God is, a redeemer, a restorer. Jesus takes the punishment of enemies so that citizens of Babylon can be friends. So that citizens of Philistia, the enemies, can be friends and members of the city. So that members of Westland and Oregon City can be reconciled with the Creator God. Jesus did that by taking the punishment for our flagrant disregard of the good God of creation. And where did Jesus do that revealing work of God? just outside the walls of Jerusalem. The redemption of the world occurred at Zion. And where was God buried after he took our death at the bottom of Mount Zion? And where did he break out of the tomb defeating death? He did that at Zion. Jesus did the work there at Zion so he could say, we are born there. The holy mount where sits the city where God is revealed. Glorious things of this city are spoken. This city is loved because God makes himself known there. This city is loved because God connects people to himself there. This city is loved because that is where God has chosen to show grace and goodness and mercy and lay down his own life for us. Yes, friends, Jesus shows up to Jerusalem, to Zion, and does big things, glorious things in that city. And even that is just the beginning of the glory of this city. One day, we inhabitants of Zion will see a greater city because Jesus made it possible and will make it so. Hebrews is a letter It's in your Bible, a letter written after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews says it this way. To fellow Christians, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus bought a path for you to be redeemed. Jesus bought a path for a heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus bled in order to make the path to the Zion Psalm 87 sings about. Jesus bought a path for you to be born in Zion. And hear Hebrews well. Heavenly Jerusalem does not simply mean a spiritual Jerusalem, an ethereal, non-physical place, maybe more in our minds than anything. Heaven is simply the place where God is, which for so long has been distinct from the place where we are. They were connected in the garden and they haven't been connected since. 
And if Jerusalem is heavenly, then the place where God is is connected to the place where Jerusalem is. This is our hope. This is what we are waiting for. This city made new because God is there. Glorious things were spoken of the ancient Jerusalem because God was there. And your hope, Christian, is attached to the coming city of which glorious things are spoken because God is there. The final book in your Bible describes that coming city this way. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. They dance for joy with the past Jerusalem, but its glory will be surpassed by the new. Springs of water of life flow in that city, and God dwells there. Not behind a wall or a barrier, not held between ritual and sacrifice, but he will dwell with us close enough to wipe the tears from our eyes. He will be in our midst in the beautiful city in Zion. We will be with God and he will be with us and all the things that kept us apart will be no more. It is all connected, my friends. That is why we can sing Psalm 87. On the holy mountain stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the people, This one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. That is why we sing about this city. And of And of you it can be said, she was born there. He was born there. And it doesn't matter where you first pierce the night with your infant cries. God brings new birth and makes you a citizen of the city where the tears are no more. This can be where you are from. So you can dance for joy in the city where the river of life flows. So where are you from? Where do you call home? I hope it is Zion. I pray you can sing the song knowing it can be your birthright. There is joy for those born in the city of God. Run to Jesus this morning to belong to that city. And if you are a member, a citizen, a son or daughter of that city, a son or daughter of Zion, latch on to that identity with all of your hope. 
that citizenship is worth singing about. Let's pray. Father, Yahweh, Lord, promise-making, people-making, promise-keeping, God, would you tune our hearts to sing the melody and the lyrics and the chorus and the cadence and the bridge of this song. It is so easy for us to place our identity and our hope and our story and our citizenship somewhere so much smaller. Fix our songs on Zion and give us eyes to long for the city where we will dwell with you. In Jesus' name, amen.